You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning and uh, flip them open to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is uh, we continue in our Real Talk series. The uh, message is entitled, Beware of Wolves. Now, let's understand something on Mother's Day. Okay, you already get it, right? The beware of wolves part is not about moms, all right? We're going to, uh, and that's important. Um, what a great day uh, to celebrate our mothers. And um, one thing I know for sure, everybody in the room had a mother, okay? So there is a reason to celebrate, uh, if no other reason, because you're here. And, uh, and so you can celebrate that. Um, it's Mother's Day. I, I thought about my mom this morning and the last couple of days is thinking about this weekend and how my mom lived and modeled Christ and uh, how she prayed for me. Sue and I both grew up in Christian homes and we were uh, so very blessed by that. I, I remember the day that my mom, uh, that she died. Um, she went to heaven. She was never more alive the moment she died. And, uh, and one of the great things that kind of washed over me that day was I lost one of maybe my greatest prayer warriors. And uh, so I have truly been blessed uh, with a mother who loved the Lord and honored the Lord. And I am thankful. I am so thankful for that. I don't apologize for that in any way, but I realize in the room there are people who haven't had that same blessing. And uh, when you think about your mom, you have to think about things you want to be thankful for, and, but there are lots of things, and you need to rejoice in those things and, and to give God the glory in those. And, um, and so you might ask the question about, um, well, then how does this message fit into Mother's Day? Well, one of the things you need to understand is that uh, preacher's dilemma is, do you come out of a series over and over and over again? Do you come out on um, Mother's Day? Do you come out on Father's Day? Do you come out on Groundhog Day? Do you come out on Christmas? Do you come out on Easter? If you keep coming out of your series all the time, you never actually get through preaching the Word. And uh, so other than Easter and uh, Christmas, we basically just keep on going around here. And so uh, these verses are just the next verses as we uh, look in God's Word and study in the Sermon on the Mount. However... This message is a warning, and uh, when I think about my parents, I, I think about the ways they sought to protect us and uh, to make sure we were taken care of, um, to make sure that we went to a church that uh, preached the Word of God. We went to a place where we would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and my dad did that for that, us, and my mom did that for us, and, and so as we come into this message today, it's a warning. And it's a warning that uh, we need to be protected. And uh, so moms who do that for their kids, especially in the ways of what they're learning and growing up in, I think we can be thankful uh, for that today. Okay, you got your Bibles open? Let's stand together. We want to read it. And I'm going to start in Matthew 7. I'm going to read starting in verse 15 through to the end of uh, verse 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. 
Let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you again for your word today and the challenge as it is, that it is, Lord, would it, it stir our hearts, Lord? We are, uh, we are confronted with a warning today. And I pray, God, that as we hear it, Father, we would uh, think through our own lives and the things that we listen to, the things we hear, the things that are influencing us in our spiritual walk, Father, that we would be careful and walk carefully. Uh, Father, we pray that you would take your word, you would give us ears, that we would hear and listen uh, carefully, minds that we might comprehend and understand. But then, Lord, hearts that would passionately do whatever is needed as we respond to your word today. So work in your way for your glory as only you can. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can uh, take your seats. You know, the term a wolf in sheep's clothing is a, a biblical principle. A wolf in sheep's clothing is a biblical principle, but the world understands it. The world even embraces this statement. They use it uh, many, many times. Um, last week, I was uh, reading in some news, and Kim Jong-un, the uh, leader of North Korea, um, someone who would definitely not claim to be a godly man. He would deny there even is a God and is leading a godless nation, um, was talking about the previous regime in the U.S. And when he talked about uh, John Kerry, who was the past U.S. Secretary of State, he called him a wolf donning the mask of a sheep so even the world understands this principle. It was a principle they understood from the old, from the, in the Old Testament. It's a principle they understood in the New Testament. It's a principle that we even understand today. And, uh, and Jesus, in the middle, or coming towards the end of his teaching, uh, he says some things about wolves. And, uh, and so as we go through this text, I want you to see a number of things. Here's the first thing I want you to see is our responsibility our responsibility. Look at the very first word. He says, beware. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Uh, Jesus paints a serious picture here. He says, beware of false prophets, those who would take us on the easy way and lead us to destruction. Remember last week's message was the narrow gate and, 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 the, and the broad gate or the wide gate? and the hard way, and the easy way, and uh, Jesus moves right from that teaching, that teaching that leads to life or destruction, he just dives right into prophets and false prophets who desire to take people on a way that's not going to take them through the narrow gate to the, to the narrow way to life, but rather people who are going to take us and, and want to take us to what is the other and other way, which is the broad way or the wide way, which leads to the easy way, which leads to destruction. And so Jesus starts out by saying, beware. Beware of these people, these prophets. They're called ravenous wolves. Um, he just doesn't call them bad people. Watch out for these guys. They're creeps in your church. He he calls them ravenous wolves. They are bloodthirsty. They're not just feeding, but they're seeking to destroy. They're never satisfied. They are relentless. They're seeking to deceive and even deny their true identity. You ever have someone who comes and knocks at your door and they're peddling their faith? And... Um, one of the things, they, the very first thing, if I even answer the door, but when I answer the door, I ask them, who are you and where are you from? And they never want to tell you. They, they won't tell you. 
Um, they don't say, I am, and this is the faith that I represent. They say, oh no, we're, not, we're here to talk about good things and how you can have a good life or, or, or God and, how, and who are you and where are you from? And uh, uh, they won't do that. They don't do that. And um, because they're peddling something that um, does not honor the Lord. And he starts out, Jesus, as he's teaching, he says, beware. Uh, beware. Paul gives some warnings about people like that. In Acts 20, 28 to 30, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul also said in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. In 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul said, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later days some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. And so Jesus gives us a warning. Paul gives us a warning. Other writers in the New Testament, Peter said this in 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2, but false prophets, will false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in the book of Jude, verses three and four, it says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about your common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you and to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Beware. Follower of Christ, beware. This is not a message about uh, watch out for what you watch on, on uh, TV or the movie you go to. It's not about lifestyle and the world out there. This is about people who are in the church, who seek to tear down, who seek to destroy, and their way is destruction. Beware. Well, beware on what levels? Well, here's the first one. Beware on a personal level. Every one of us has a responsibility in our own life to beware of what we're learning and what we're taking in from the Word of God. We're going to learn some principles that will help us with this, but you have a personal responsibility to this. Are you careful on what you take in? Are you careful in what you read? Are you careful in what you're listening to when it's talking about the Word of God and your faith personally? You have a responsibility. Dads, let's speak to dads in the room for a moment. You have a responsibility for your family. And are you careful? Are you careful about the spiritual things that they're learning? Uh, many of you came to our church. Some of you came out of a church because you believed they were no longer teaching the word of God. 
And you're here. Praise the Lord for that discernment. And you made that decision. As a couple, you made that decision. Dads, you have a responsibility for your kids. You're going to give an answer. And moms, you too. What are we doing to be discerning and being careful? So we have this responsibility on a personal level. Every one of us in the room has this. And then we have a responsibility as parents in our families. And, And then there's the responsibility in the church. Before I speak to the responsibility of the elders, each of you has a responsibility to this as well. If you see something in our church that's opposed to God's word, opposed to, you need to speak to that. This isn't a message to make you doubt your leaders. This is a message for us to be careful so that God can continue to work and bring glory to himself in our church. And then there's the, the, those who are leaders in our church. Um, those who are directors, those who are teaching our kids. and te- Be careful. Beware. And then there's the responsibility of the elders. Uh, we were praying about this uh, just before we came in today. That God would give us discernment. God would give us wisdom. God would protect us in these things. And the elders responsible for the doctrine and, and the discipline and direction of our church. Um, God help us that we would never lose sight There are denominations across our nation that at one time held the word of God high. Some of you are here because you left a church because they stopped preaching the word of God. And the elders, we have a weight, we have a heavy weight to protect the church. You pray for us. You need to pray that God would work in our hearts and give us discernment, that we would study his word and we would know it. It's our responsibility. We have a responsibility. If you wonder, well, really? You're really kind of nailing that beware word really strong, Pastor. Well, in 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test the spirits to see if they are from God. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote this, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Uh, We are to warn Christians to test the message that is being proclaimed. Is it from the word of God? Now, one of the greatest encouragements that I have as a a pastor, a guy came up after the service last night, and first time he was in our church, I'm thinking, man, that was a great first service to come to. And he goes, I am so thankful that you just preached the word of God. He supported what you said from the word of God. And then he said something, he goes, can I pray for you? Uh, Poor George was up here wondering what was going on. The guy praying for the pastor. Aren't you supposed to be praying for people? Yeah, not when a guy like that comes, right? And uh, he wanted to pray for me. He wanted to pray for us. And um, test, test. We need to be discerning. You see, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise that those who would want to deceive and destroy would do exactly the same thing. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ, Paul said in 2 Corinthians eleven three. So the reason for testing the spirits, testing the teaching, for testing all religious teaching is to see if it's true from God or if it's a lie that comes from Satan and his servants. 
I've said it before in this church, and I'll say it again, and I hope I'll say it again and again. Don't just buy something because I got to wear my jacket and stand up here and say it to you. Study the Word of God and know the truth of God so that you won't be, you would never be deceived. We have a responsibility. Here's the second thing. False prophets, they're coming with certainty. With certainty. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. This is not a might come. This is not, oh, I doubt it, but it could be. So we should watch. No, they're going to come. They're going to come. A wolf is a person with a present and friendly appearance that hides the fact that they are evil. They are hypocrites. They're wearing a mask seeking to uh, to fool and deceive you who come to you in sheep's clothing, it says. On the outside, it all looks good. But underneath, it's deceiving and it's conniving and it takes people off of the narrow gate and off of the narrow path and puts people to a place that will lead them to destruction. Outwardly, they look really good, but inwardly, they're ravenous wolves and they're seeking to destroy. They teach things like universalism, that as long as it'll all work out okay in the end, we'll all be fine. You don't need to worry. We're not all going to be fine. It leads to pluralism. It's okay, you have your faith, and we have our faith, but other people have their faith, and they're going to be okay. It leads to pluralism. It leads to tolerance in the church, of putting up with sin, and not calling it out, and not dealing with it, either in our own lives or in the church. It comes disguised as things like self-empowerment, or don't judge me, or your life will be better. You just trust Jesus Christ and everything is going to be fine. You you name it, you claim it, God's going to give it to you. That's a false teaching from the pit of a hell. We were taught last week, Jesus taught last week that that way, that narrow gate leads to a hard way. It doesn't ever, we're never taught that the Christian life will be easy. We're never taught we're going to have everything. We're never taught the two-car garage, the pool in the backyard, the summer cottage. It's all there for you. All you have to do is claim it in the name of Jesus and you can have it. That's false teaching that comes from the pit of hell. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at your heart. So you might say, Pastor, I get it that this is serious. So what is a wolf? What is a wolf? Um, let me say this before we get into really trying to define what a wolf looks like. And say, everybody who disagrees with you isn't a wolf. Okay, can we just kind of, kind of get that figured out, right? Everybody who disagrees with you, even on spiritual matters, isn't a wolf. We have robust discussion at the elders' table about things from time to time. And uh, we'll be going at it, and we'll be going at it, and, and we may not even come to the end. We don't even agree. We don't agree on everything. That doesn't make the person a wolf. It just makes them wrong. It's a, <laughs> it doesn't make them a wolf. There are lots of things that we need to hold carefully. And so there are, we, we talk around here, we have like closed-hand issues, and we have open-hand issues. 
right? And the open-hand issues, I'd say, I got to let that go. I'm not going to die on that hill. But then we have some closed-hand issues. And I would say there are even two levels of closed-hand issues. There's the closed-hand issues we're going to come to in a moment that are the, we're dying on that hill. And there are closed-hand issues that as a church we have because it's the way we function. And so some of those would be things that we would disagree with other people who love Jesus just as much as we do, but we don't agree about some things. I'll give you a few illustrations of it. It could be church structure, for instance. We're an elder-led church. Other churches aren't elder-led church. That doesn't make them a wolf. Uh, We're a complementarian church. We believe there are certain roles that the scriptures teach that are for men, and other churches don't believe that. But there are many, many, many egalitarians who love Jesus just as much as you do. How does egalitarian get to heaven? Same way you do, by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In our church, it's a closed-hand thing. But they're not wolves. They're not wolves. What are a couple of other things we could uh, think about in that area? Um, Mode of baptism. Um, or differences about spiritual gifts. There's one that's been so divisive in the church. Uh, Different views on creation. I believe very strongly what I believe about Genesis 1 and 2 and how God created, and in six literal days, God created the earth. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe if you really study and you stop listening to all the worldly wisdom that's out there, I think you will come to that. I believe that's what God's word teaches. But everybody doesn't believe that. Some people in the room will say, Pastor, you really, you really believe that? Yeah, and it doesn't make you a wolf if you don't believe it. It doesn't make you a wolf. I think we're going to get to heaven. And we're going to be surprised at some of the people who are there. And we're going to be like, whoa, how did you get here? (laughs) And they're going to look at you and go, whoa, how did you get here? Right? So we want to be very careful. We want to be careful not to everybody who disagrees with us, we just call them a wolf. That's just easy. That's not true. It doesn't honor the Lord. And when we get to heaven, I think we're going to be somewhat surprised. But there are things that we will die for. There are things where there's no wiggle room, and we're going to come to see those uh, in just a couple minutes. There are wolves. There are wolves inside the local church. That's, that's right here. There could be a wolf in the room today. We work really hard to see and understand and weed those people out. But there could be a wolf in the room today. And I would just say, watch out, we're looking for you. Um, uh, but then there are wolves in the greater church, under the auspices of Christendom. Um, they show themselves in all kinds of ways. They show themselves in the cults. Um, the cults all started in, in a Christian foundation of some sort and, and then went sideways. They, uh, they typically, um, one of really two different ways, one way they begin to manipulate the word and they take the word and make it say things that the word doesn't say of the people who are across the street. They take the word of God and they start to manipulate it and they start to change it and they start to make Jesus somebody who he wasn't. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ is no longer God. And all of a sudden, they are passionate people who get out there and knock on doors and all the rest. Why? Because they're trying to work their way to heaven. And they've taken the word of God and they've twisted it to make it something else. 
And then there are those who, uh, God's given them some kind of revelation and they start adding books. They start writing stuff. And well, I gotta, I've got shelves filled with books, but there isn't one book on my shelf that trumps this book. Not one. But in the cults, what happens is the books get written and the books become equal or they become supreme to the word of God. And people spend their time not in the word of God, but in these other books. Those people are wolves. Uh, but then there are people who, they look a little bit more like we do. And um, we're going to see about them in, in just a moment. There are absolutely times when we must judge. But we always judge through the lens of the word of God with God's spirit to help us. They're coming, and they're coming with certainty. But we can discover their identity. Look at verses 16 to 18. You will recognize them in verse 20. Thus you will recognize them. So you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. You will recognize them by their fruit. You will, you can recognize these ravenous wolves who are in sheep's clothing by their fruit. Jesus' point is clear. You will know them by their fruit, whether they're genuine Christians or just professing to be one. A true Christian will not bear fruit such as thorns or thistles. Instead, they will bear good fruit and not bad. A tree is recognized in nature by the fruit it produces. You can stick a label on a thistle, but it doesn't make it an apple. You can recognize them by their fruit. I said there were two areas, or there's a couple of areas where there's no wiggle room for us in this, and I want to talk about four things uh, for us to consider this morning. Is when you think about what does a false prophet, what does a wolf in sheep's clothing, how can I know? So here's the first one, how they handle the word of God, how they handle the word of God. As we go through these, how will you know? Well, the way you'll know is because you study the word of God and you know what it says. And so when something false comes along, it becomes obvious to you. They used to teach people who were uh, to find counterfeit money, how they would, how would they know it was counterfeit? They didn't give them um, examples of counterfeit money to study. They gave them real bills and they spent hours just going over them and touching them and seeing them and examining them. Why? So that when they picked up a counterfeit, it was obvious to them. If you're not in the word of God, you will easily be deceived because you don't know what to look for. So get in the word and study God's word and see what it says. Because false prophets take the word and they distort it. I love what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2, 14, and 16, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does not do any good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, 
A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. If Genesis 1 to 3 isn't true, if it isn't real, then why is the rest of the Bible? If, if the people of God didn't actually go through the sea, if Daniel didn't actually go in the lion's den, if Jonah didn't actually go in the belly of a whale, if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, you see, you start to tear down the, the the, uh, the foundations, and it all crumbles away. It's the word of God, and we hold it highly. Proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology is the first pillar of our church. And we need to be people of God who find ourselves in the word of God, studying the word of God, knowing the word of God, because the false prophet destroys the word. You hear me say over and over and over and over and over again, context, context, context. You can make the Word of God teach whatever you want to make it teach if you take it out of its context. So you hear some guy, oh, he sounds right. Well, get to the context. And what was he talking about? What was the writer meaning when he wrote it? The Word of God. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good book. It, it helps us along the way, but no, no, it's God's Word. And the person who does not high, hold high the authority of this book, a wolf, a wolf. Second one, most obvious for us to see is their view of Christ, their view of Christ. And Jude, back in Jude 4, says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God. I read this verse to you. In sensuality and denying your only master and Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes right down to you, you want to know what a wolf is? You study what they believe about Jesus. You study what they believe about the working of Jesus. Now, you wouldn't be the first one to be fooled. In Galatians 1, 6 to 9, Paul wrote this to that church in Galatia. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. For we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And so the false teacher will talk about the person of Jesus Christ. The false teacher will say something like, um, he only appeared to be human. It's called docetism. And he wasn't really human. He was God. He, he was subordinate to the Father in power and glory. And you go, well, that, that sounds, no. Did Jesus uh, surrender some things when he came to earth? Yes. But Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Jesus never stopped being God. And so the person who tries to teach you that He's subordinate to the Father, it's called Arianism. And then there's Nestorianism, which is his humanity and divinity existed separately from each other. I can't even get my head around that. 
they talk about the person of Jesus Christ. And in the, at the end, they water Jesus down to being something other than God of gods. They talk about his being or they talk about his work, what he did. And Jesus didn't actually live without sin. He wasn't actually perfect. He didn't actually do all of those things. It's, it's all a picture. It's all spiritual for us. Really? If Jesus didn't do the perfect life, he couldn't be the perfect sacrifice. Don't believe the lie. It's coming from a false prophet. Or they might teach Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. There's no real, come on pastor, there's no real resurrection. We talked about on Easter, the Romans knew how to kill people. And once he was dead, they made sure by taking the spear and ripping it up through between his ribs, through his lungs, into his heart, Jesus Christ was dead. And the person says, no, 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 it's just a spiritual picture denies the power of God, denies the working of Jesus Christ. And so when you are examining and you are listening to people and you are picking up on the teaching, you watch what they believe about Jesus Christ. If they don't bring a blood atonement, they don't bring the atonement. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. So some feel-good kind of relationship with God is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can recognize them. Those to me are two huge pieces. But you also can recognize them by looking at the leaders themselves, those prophets themselves. And that would be the third thing I'd say. There's the word and, and what they teach about Christ. And, and then there's the picture of, of the leader, um, what they look like. And uh, I've I just called this self-exaltation. You take a look at the prophet, and the prophet becomes the focus. The false prophet becomes the focus. So if you watch somebody on television and you're like, wow, that guy's pretty good. I, I, you know, he's, he's got the Bible going on there and he says some things I really like to hear. And, and at the end of it, you're impressed with the person and not drawn to the glory of God, then be very, very, very careful. The false teacher is always leader-centered who seeks to draw people with an appeal to what they want it's always leader-dominated. So often their lifestyle is lavish. Well, I deserve this. I can have all this now. You can have all this now. The person who's teaching you can have all this now is a liar. No, I gotta have a jet so that I can fly all over the world and do all of these things I do and you people need to give me all these millions of dollars so I can have these things. That guy can get on a plane like anybody else. He needs a time management course. He doesn't need a lavish lifestyle. The elders take great care of me here. You need to understand, I would never complain about the way the elders take care of Sue and I and our compensation. But somebody said, Sue said it wasn't a her, so it must have been one of the staff guys who told me. And um, said somebody came and said, you know what I, I, I love about your pastor? I was kind of hoping it would be like how good looking he is. <laughs> Didn't get on that person's list. Said he drives such as a regular car just like the rest of us. Doesn't wear his fancy suit, doesn't have a... See, false prophets are about themselves False prophets are about a lavish lifestyle. 
The leader becomes the authority. The leader begins to write things, and that thing, those things become revelation. They become more important than the word of God. The leader's interpretation becomes the only interpretation. The leader has a lust for power. It is the antithesis of what Paul taught about himself. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, it says, I urge you then be imitators of me. He goes, see, see, there he is, there he is, trying to be the center of attention, and he's a false prophet. No, no, you stopped reading. I put that in its context, but go to the end of the book when Paul says this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That was his goal, to bring people to see Jesus Christ and best he could, how he could live out that picture. You follow that picture because I want to be like Jesus Christ. False prophets are all about self-exaltation. The fourth piece to that, I would say, you find that in taking a look at what they think about finances. They're demanding funds from people. They don't have fiscal responsibility. I love the fact that in our church, you can go to our website and you can get the financial analysis and you can get the actual financials from last year. They're there. You can go and see them. There's no hiding. It's all there for you to see. Financial accountability. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your, your heart is. Uh, we have a leader of um, Harvest Bible Chapels. Uh, James McDonald was the founding pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel. And uh, he has a vision and dream. He wants to, uh, to see a thousand churches in, in our lifetime. That's his goal. But James McDonald's not a false prophet. And I know it for a lot of reasons. I know it because of the way he holds up the word of God. I know it because of the way that he, what he believes about Jesus Christ I know it because of the things I see in his own character. Our fellowship of churches is going through a transition right now. You see, one of the struggles that every movement has is it's called the founders thing. Like the founders and people get focused on it. Yeah, no, he doesn't. It's like Harvest Bible Fellowship is a church planting movement and trying to get the focus off of who that person is and the focus on what God has called us to. And he's the one leading the band for that to happen. That's not a picture of a false prophet. I know a little bit about um, James's views about finances. I said this last night and everybody laughed. I said, I'm gonna tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. Okay, except, except we're on live stream. Okay, so it doesn't really. Uh, when I was a director up in Muskoka of a Bible conference center, James came almost every year that I was the director there. And here's what I know. Every year, we gave him an honorarium. And every year, he signed it back. It wasn't about getting. It wasn't about having. They're financial. Well, so what are some things then? We, the word of God and Christ. Pastor, give me, a, give me a couple things I can hang on this so that I can be better prepared for this. Um, now, you may not know this, but this is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation this year. And uh, within the Reformation, there was teaching that Luther did about the five, what are called the five solas. Um, the five solas, not solos, not dancing in at the front here, five solas. The word sola means only. Five only kind of things. And the five solas are sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, solo Christo, sola Deo gloria. It's Latin, so if I said it wrong, I'm sorry. But the first one is solo scripture. 
So if you want some things that you could begin to hang on, what do I look for? What do I look for to make sure the teaching is right, the teaching is true? You look for somebody where the Word of God is the highest authority. The Word of God is lifted high. Scripture is in the first place. You look for a second thing. You look for a person who teaches that salvation is by faith alone. There's no works in our salvation. The only thing you do in your salvation is to believe. You just believe what God has done. And so any, any faith, any teaching that's tying to it, to get to God, you have to do, you have to be, you have to, your salvation is now based on works. Salvation is through faith, through faith alone, by grace alone. God's gift poured out to us, not earned and not deserved. For grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift that comes from God. And we have a relationship with God that's made right through the work of Jesus Christ. I don't have to go to a priest to talk to God. Jesus Christ is the high priest. And I go to God through him. In Christ alone. Not Christ and something else. Not Christ and works. Not Christ and the church. Not Christ and sanctification comes after salvation. But our salvation is in Christ alone. He was the only sufficient gift, sacrifice, payment for our sin. And there is no other way. It's Christ alone. We talked about that last week, so I'm not going back into it this week. It's Christ alone. And the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And anybody who teaches you otherwise is a false prophet. Guard your heart. Guard your family. Guard the church. And then there's a fifth sola, which is for the glory of God alone. I use this verse a lot. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God of God. Five solas. One about the word to start and, and one about um, the glory of God and what we do to finish. But in between, it's all about our salvation. It's all about faith. It's all about grace. It's all about the working of Christ. And if you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, believe and you'll be saved. Not believe in attend church, not believe in give money, not believe in do this or do that. No, no, your salvation is believe and you will be saved. I understand that I am separated from God. I can't do anything about it. The guy who teaches you, no, 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 you're okay. You're not okay. You need a savior. And you turn from your sin and you trust Jesus Christ and you are a follower, a child of God. Well, many, many, many years ago, I used to be the denominational youth director in a denomination, and um, I used to teach um, youth and their parents uh, four principles for making good decisions. And I think it ties into what we're learning today. Well, were the principles from the Bible? Yes, they were, actually. Second uh, Thessalonians 3, 10, and 11. You, however, followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, 
my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. You also followed my persecution and suffering that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecution I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. I taught these four words, goals, graphics, lyrics, lifestyle. They're great principles to help your kids know, should I go to a movie? Should I hang out with that guy? Should I listen to that kind of music? They're four great principles. But this message today is not about learning what movie you should go to or shouldn't go to. That's a different message for a different day. This is about false teachers. And so that person that you're tempted to watch on television and you're thinking, oh, and you find yourself sucked into that and you find yourself, are you being deceived? Get in and dig in and see their goals. What is their purpose what are they really going after? Are they going after to build the kingdom of God? Are they going after the glory of God or are they going after themselves? What are their goals? What are their graphics? What do they look like? In other words, who is this about? At the end of it, are you talking about how amazing they were or are you talking about how amazing God is? And what were they about? What are the graphics of that? What are the lyrics? That's where it really ties back to the word. What do they say? Study what they're saying. Test it to make sure that it's right. And then what is their lifestyle? How do they live? Are they living the things they're saying? And are the things they're saying from the word of God? You know, false prophets, according to verse 19, this is the last point, they have a secure destiny. And very briefly, it says, um, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Their fate is sealed. They are on a path that leads to destruction. Uh, they end up putting people on an easy way that leads to destruction. In Titus um, chapter 3, 9 to 11, it says, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Romans 16, 7, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine, the teaching you've been taught. Avoid them. Second, uh, Second John 1, 10 and 11, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not, dis do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. And so what you're watching, turn it off. What you're reading, Burn it. What you're taking it in, set it aside. False prophets need to be warned. They need to be exposed. They need to be distanced in the church. They, they need to be removed. Because one day, they're going to be thrown into the fire. Their pathway leads to destruction. Beware. Well, so what? Jesus warned the followers. Beware. Beware what you are listening to and what you're taking in. Beware. Pastor, why didn't you give us a list? Because the list would be a hundred people long. You study the word of God. You ask questions. You get at it and you watch what God will reveal to you. Guard your family. Guard our church. And pray for those who are given the responsibility to guard our church. Pray for wisdom. As you study the word of God, pray for God's spirit to help you and guide you and to lead you. And then act on it. 
Why? Because eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. And it's a heavy word, Lord. I know it's a heavy word today, but it's a warning that Jesus Christ gave to his followers because he knew there would be those who would come and seem to take his teaching and twist it and, 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 and make it deceptive and people would be drawn to it because we have itchy ears, the Bible says. Give us discernment, God, and a willingness to stand for the truth and stand for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen.